Welcome to Honestly Haunted. to Honestly Haunted. We're your hosts, Erin Grogan and Abby Chowning. It's been a little chilly in Texas the past few weeks, so we thought a little trip to Central America might warm us up a bit. This week we are investigating El Sanatorio Duran, or the Duran Sanatorium near Cartago, Costa Rica. About a 30-minute drive from San Jose, nestled in the Talamanca Mountains, surrounded by gorgeous yellow Finesillo flowers, rests our abandoned sanatorium. The setting could not be less spooky. It's actually freaking gorgeous up there. (laughs) While the building has certainly fallen into disrepair, there's an odd sort of peace visitors feel when they visit the grounds. It's perhaps why people today can pay about $2 and walk freely and picnic on the property whenever they please, even though they are warned about not agitating the spirits that still also allegedly call this place home. The sanatorium was built in 1915 by Dr. Carlos Duran. Duran was also briefly the president of Costa Rica from 1889 to 1890, which is a weird flex. I'm just going to say weird flex. (laughs) He was educated as a surgeon in London and returned home to Costa Rica to care for the people of his country. He built several hospitals and clinics throughout the country, but the largest one was the sanatorium tucked away in the mountains. Careful consideration was put into the location of the hospital. Dr. Duran made certain the conditions would only be beneficial to the patients suffering from the disease. He considered altitude, wind conditions, the humidity, the average temperature, hours of sunshine, and the availability of clean drinking water. The location near Cartago was deemed a perfect spot to take care of people suffering from tuberculosis. It was a fully functioning hospital that could house up to 300 patients. Eventually, the hospital branched out to serve also as an asylum for the mentally ill. And we know what you're thinking. Sanatoriums and asylums don't have a great reputation especially in our line of work. (laughs) But amazingly, we could find no reports of mistreatment or malpractice reported from the hospital during those years. I mean, it doesn't mean it didn't happen at all. But overall, it seems that the sanatorium was run very thoughtfully by Dr. Duran. His family even lived on the property with him and spent time caring for the patients as well. Sadly, Dr. Duran's youngest daughter did ultimately contract tuberculosis, and she died on the property and was buried there. The doctor passed away in 1924, but the work of his hospital carried on. In 1963, the sanatorium was no longer able to remain operational. Tuberculosis had been almost wiped out in the country, and more specialized facilities for the mentally ill had been established throughout the country, so all the patients were removed from the sanatorium. The building was converted into an orphanage for a brief time, and after only a few years was then converted into first a maximum security prison, and then into a minimum security prison. The place was very busy. But ultimately, the building was permanently shut down in 1973 when it retained serious structural damage during the eruption of the nearby Irazu volcano. Wow. (laughs) Tuberculosis, death, insane asylum, orphans prisoners, volcanoes, (laughs) the whole gauntlet. This place has seen a lot in its 107 years. 
You'd think this place would be rampant with hostile spirits and negative energy. Right? But that just does not seem to be the case here. While hauntings have definitely been reported by visitors, the stories, while maybe a little spooky, aren't overtly negative. One group of friends shared about their visit and said, It was a nice, sunny morning when we arrived at the sanatorium, and there were strong winds blowing down off the mountain. As soon as we walked down the corridors of the main building, I noticed my fully charged camera battery suddenly died without warning. We explored the main building first, with its dilapidated halls and graffiti-scrubbed walls. We walked down the long corridors. I thought I might have heard a whisper, too. But overall, the visitors said that while the building is a bit creepy on the inside and they might not enjoy being there alone at night, they said they laughed easily, explored and wandered curiously through all the nooks and crannies of the sanatorium and really enjoyed their visit. Now, these folks might have been paranormal enthusiasts like us (laughs) and maybe that they embraced the spooky. But there's something interesting about this idea that something could be spooky but not make you feel uneasy or scared about where you are. However, there is one particularly scary room, and we'll put pictures of it on our social media, but our guess is that this, our guess, our hope is that this was artwork (laughs) painted by the children that once called this place home when the sanatorium was converted into an orphanage for a brief time. But if you follow along the second floor's main corridor... Blood-red handprints start appearing along the walls. Eventually, you enter into a large room where the handprints cover the walls floor to ceiling. Luckily, the colors start to transition into happy blues, yellows as you go along, but at first glance, it's a bit unsettling. Yeah, a bit. (laughs) (laughs) At least they transition into happier colors as you go, but what... What person gave children red paint and were like, have fun? You know what? Honestly, I think I've done it as a kid. I yeah. I, I feel like I have seen my own handprint in well, red the handprints paint. Are the, in red paint specifically. Yes. Yeah. Well, you so, so I, my old house, like one of my many old houses ago, um, it was a red house. And one of my most favorite things to do during the summer was to paint quotation marks on it with water mm. because it was red when you put water on it, the red... It made it look like it blood. Was, yes. Oh. <laughs> and it was like a very vivid, like you could see the water on it. And so literally I would paint on my house. But it would be a little creepy too. When I'm thinking about it now as an adult, I didn't think it was creepy then. I loved it. Right. But it, yeah, red has some things Wait. that kids don't think about. Yeah, I mean, red, like, red, blue, and yellow are, like, pretty standard, so it's, like, sure. you just grab the red one first, and exactly. we'll go with the other ones later. It's like, oh, hey, we have red paint. But they <laughs> literally, like, didn't get the other colors until they ran out of red paint. Yeah. So. <laughs> the most frequent other reports of paranormal activity are that of three female ghosts that seem to roam the grounds. The most common is that of a nun. The Sisters of Charity of Santa Ana provided the full-time nursing staff of the sanatorium, They served as the right hand to many of the doctors and attended to the care of tuberculosis patients and patients of the asylum during the years of operation. While I'm not sure all of them were perfectly friendly nurses, the ghost of this nun seems to thoughtfully roam from room to room, checking on her patients one by one. Those who have encountered her feel a sense of peace in her presence, possibly like peace that she might have given her patients during their treatment. The second ghost is known only as La Dama Azul, or the Blue Lady. She is identified by her ghostly white hair in, you guessed it, blue dress. It was going to be white or blue or red. Or gray. (laughs) Yeah. 
She is frequently seen by people outside of the sanatorium. They see her staring out of windows and passing through the corridors of the second floor. Many wonder if she was a patient of the sanatorium at one time. It's said that the tuberculosis patients were dressed in blue, and patients of the asylum were dressed in white to help distinguish them from each other. Perhaps she's the ghost of one of the patients who didn't recover from the disease. The third ghost is believed by many to be the spirit of Dr. Duran's daughter, who died on the property. She was only 10 years old when she passed, and many claim to see the ghost of a young girl on the roof of the sanatorium or running up and down the exterior stairs, places where she and her siblings likely played when they were called the facility home. Locals claim that every year on the anniversary of the eruption of Arazu Volcano, an uncharacteristically heavy fog and mist descends down the mountains and almost envelops the sanatorium from view. Today, the sanatorium and the land around it are under the care of Costa Rica's National UPA. It's an agricultural development entity, and they have restored some of the spaces in the building for meeting halls. The grounds have opened up to agricultural researchers and developers, as well as tourists. There's even places to camp on the grounds. It was declared as a historical architecture heritage site of Costa Rica in 2014. Attempts to fully restore the building have been a challenge, mainly due to the fact that the main structures of the building were all made with wood. But the caretakers of the grounds tell everyone who visits the same thing. Be respectful of the grounds, and they will be respectful back. But perhaps the ghosts of the sanatorium are so respectful to visitors because they were treated with so much respect in life. You love a happy ghost story. A happy asylum story, for crying sure. out loud. Sure, yeah, we have done many of the opposite of that. Many of the opposite, and they, it exists for a reason. And and again, there's not a ton of patient records yeah. out of Costa Rica during this time. I, I have to imagine that, especially before treatment of mental illness was really taken kind of seriously as a medical practice, uh, not only seriously, but thoughtfully as a medical practice, right. that there was a lot of malpractice or just an ignorance of how to deal with actual mental Ill illness yeah. and uh, things that aren't really mental illness. I mean, you can't have a tuberculosis ward, an asylum, a prison. You can't have oh, orphans. Right. You can't have all of that without some sadness, without some element of darkness that may exist there yeah. within those people's lives or their time there or their experience. But overall, it sounds like those weren't necessarily caused by this place. It wasn't necessarily something that tied spirits back to back it. Back to it. So it's, I mean, it's a beautiful place. The facility itself, you could tell at one time, while well, it's very dilapidated now, like was likely once a very picturesque or beautiful spot just nestled in the mountains on a hillside. Yeah. And so, it, and it was also very thoughtfully selected for the purpose of what it was utilized for initially as a sanatorium. Um, it was kind of removed away from the larger cities because they were going to be working with like tuberculosis patients, which was really right. contagious and they needed to kind of move them aside. But it's like the location was like, it was meant to be I this idea that like the land was like selected specifically to like help people. And because that was like entrusted into the land itself, it kind of like protected those who called it home. I don't know. And it doesn't mean that nobody died there or was treated poorly there, but I have this idea. You know what that it reminds me of? Encanto. Encanto it's yes. a casita. Yes. <laughs> I don't know so why. glad you thought that too. As soon as you like smiled and looked at me and I was like, she's thinking what I'm thinking. It's yes. Encanto. Which 
If you haven't watched Encanto, where have you been? It's come so on. cute and it's precious. Also, come on. Like, have you not heard We Don't Talk About Bruno? Like, or surface pressure. Have, have I mean, you been under you a been? rock? Under a rock. <laughs> but, where have you been living? Under a stupid rock. But if you haven't seen it, under your stupid rock, then <laughs> basically the premise is like they have this village that is like secret and kept away and meant to protect them. And they have this house and power that's all there to protect them. Yeah. It's it's a, an encanto. So an enchantment or yes. a miracle that has kept them safe from harm. But it's also for lack of a better term, bewitched their house that they yes. live in. And so their house is very helpful. It takes care of Animated. them. It, yes. Like, yeah. yeah. It's so it's an enchanted house. But especially when we were talking about how like once a year it gets enveloped in fog, that yeah. felt very mysterious. So I, I was thinking in Kanto when, when we started talking. So really just before I said that, but while we were doing the earlier part of this episode, I was thinking Scooby-Doo, oh. like mysterious island, mystery, fog, and like then you it gets revealed. At and the end. Yeah, yeah, like I, it just, it feels very mysterious There to is, me. I think, a huge element to that. And so like the, the volcano is interesting. From what I read on the reports from like the eruption of the volcano, like it did cover San Jose in like a whole bunch of ash, but I don't believe anybody like died. Like there oh, wasn't like a catastrophic like... Uh, like earthquake or like rock yeah. slide or anything. So it's from what, what I saw in the reports, like nobody like died or and nobody in the house or the, because at the time I believe it was still being used as a prison. Mm. Um, so I don't think anybody like died as a result of that, but it is interesting That's to say like the mountains on the anniversary, like how unsettling though to be like, because I mean, Erasu is still an active volcano. It's the largest <laughs> volcano in the country. I know, Aaron, we keep talking about volcanoes. I don't like them. Aaron's anxiety is going way up. So high. <laughs> so high. Um, <laughs> but it's how creepy though would it be to know like on the anniversary of that big explosion that the elements literally change around you. And you're like, is it? gonna explode again soon or is it just like just this weird like that in itself is almost like a haunting yeah it's like clockwork yeah. that this mi- like so mist and fog are frequently reported around this area because it's like kind of nestled in the mountains it's a very humid climate that it makes, makes sense. sense that it would mix and there would be a lot of fog and mist every once in a while but i don't know yeah this idea that like clockwork it just kind of descends down the mountain and the house itself is covered like, people who would go visit, yeah. like, that you can't even see the house. And you're like, what's going on in the house when the fog hits? Although part of me wonders if people just notice it more on the anniversary yeah. of it, too. More like, aware. causation correlation there. Probably a little bit of that. A little bit. I, yeah, I think it's interesting that this place actually holds a lot of pleasant memories and experiences. I would never have thought yeah. that. Like... When I first, we like first discovered this spot, you know, we, the first thing that shows up are the ghosts that live there. So like we kind of, that's how we usually do our research is like, we want to know about the haunting stories there first to make sure that we have like enough for an episode. Yeah. And then we kind of go back and like, look at the history of the site itself and kind of build on our, that's how we kind of build our episodes. Right. So I saw all this like ghost activity and I was like, oh, we got a nun, like a scary nun nurse. Like that means something <laughs> bad happened like to the, sanit- right. the patients of the sanatorium. We've got a dead patient who seems to roam the halls. We've got a dead child ghost. Like, oh man, there's got to be lots there's gotta of. There's got to be so much. And then yeah. you get into it and it's like, oh, and it's nice. like, actually the nun is just checking her 
patience. Diligently. Um, she's not frantic. She's like thoughtfully going from room to room, like making yeah. sure each patient has a good amount of time with her. And and the patient who, who it seems we call her the, the blue lady. Yeah. Um, well, it seems like probably a little sad that she likely died yeah. there, but she's not angry or and restless. She's just watching. There's also something almost sweet about the fact that the doctor's daughter, the doctor created this place to help people with this disease and his daughter has stayed and she had the disease. It's sad, but also kind of sweet that he like ultimately created the everlasting home for his his daughter. daughter. Yeah. And, and he was so dedicated like to the work. I mean, he seemed like a very well, yeah. Also makes this whole like Encanto magical feeling just get, Amped up a yes. whole bunch of notches. <laughs> yeah. And and he was so dedicated to like the people of Costa Rica. I mean, he was very well traveled. In fact, he studied in London, we mentioned, but he also spent time in New York looking at a lot of like sanitarium models that were being done in the States at the time, which we like, as we know from our podcast, have not always done super well. Well, they but, were, but they were designed to help patients, like the actual floor plans like what the um, i was trying to think of the one that we did in um the allegheny one allegheny was uh, kirkbride 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 layout layout, which was created much like this place uh to have the right kind of exposure to sunlight exposure to sunlight um, ventilated absolutely airways and more space for people the, the problems came when the administration disregarded how it should be used and overcrowded and overcrowded and did all of that and then mistreated people yeah and so the architecture it makes sense that he would take from, from those that models. because again like the the fundamentals of it the foundation was because it had the patients in mind. Yeah. And it's crazy, like, kind of how they word it when he was, like, being selective on where it should be built. And it's, like, this, the medical journals of the time are all varying, saying, like, the regimen should be strict rest and a, a variety healthy diet. Like, these were breakthroughs. Like, so, people so, need rest and to eat good? Wow. So amazing. Nobel Prize. Well, it's like, <laughs> I, I... It's just crazy to me that that was, like, a medical breakthrough I, for I tuberculosis. Know I know you've never read Outlander, which you should. I'll get there. I'll get there. But without spoiling it, because it's literally the whole premise, um, <laughs> this woman goes back in time, and she first goes back in time when it's the 40s and she had just been through the war as a nurse and uh she goes back into like 1790 or something like that yeah um earlier than that but um she because she's a nurse she's like kind of taking on this like healer doctor role and she's like trying to get people to wash their hands before doing (laughs) things and they just don't trust her and i'm like why i cannot imagine people just not trusting Trusting. washing Washing your hands like yeah it's just like the littlest thing that you just don't think about but literally at some point people did not know to wash their hands yeah it was in 1846 it was a hungarian doctor named ignaz similwise about to be like the golden age of like physicians also being like scientists yeah right so this guy like pitched the idea that in maternity wards where like there was really high newborn mortality rates and probably high like mother yeah mortality rates you know but 
he was just like, maybe doctors should wash their hands. And they were like, nah, man, you're crazy. Absolutely crazy. (laughs) And it worked. Like, infant mortalities dropped by 46%. Yeah. Crazy. But yeah. Just from washing your hands. But this whole idea that, like, well-intentioned, obviously, as these doctors were who were faking this out. And we can laugh now because it's, like, hindsight. Like, they didn't, hmm, doctors didn't think, like, people should sleep when they're sick and eat should eat good. (laughs) Right. But he's meaning well. It's just it's just an interesting like little like sidebar to me. But that was the thing. Like people were gonna go up into the mountains. They were gonna be by themselves. They were gonna rest. They had access to clean water, well ventilated area. I'm not even sure if like the whole idea of the like altitude helped or not. I wouldn't yeah. think so because it's like restricted oxygen. But the altitude's not really that high. It's not crazy high. Well, I I mean have... I guess I don't know about tuberculosis, but there are some. So one of the things they tell people with bad asthma when they work out is actually to sometimes use one of those altitude training masks. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's not that the altitude making it harder to breathe is good for people who can't breathe because that would make no sense. Right. But um it's something about like training the way that you, you breathe. can strengthen your lungs. And, yes, and it strengthens it strengthens them. So like I could see the way that altitude could be yeah, used I do too. in some kind of way there. Like yeah, all I, very- I'm no scientist. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's just it's all very thoughtful to me and interesting. So, but yeah, the fact that this doctor was so like well traveled but had such a heart for the people of his country was president of yeah. the country and. During his, it wasn't all during the time here, but I think he probably like used his influence to be able to build multiple hospitals and clinics. And this wasn't the only like essentially asylum or sanatorium that he built, but this was the biggest one. And then he invested his personal time, moved his family there, had a major like commitment to the work. Yeah. I mean, maybe that should bring us to our verdict. Honestly, Honestly, haunted. haunted. (laughs) This is just, it's such a, a, uh, like, a departure from what we normally cover it is, on this. Yeah. Like, as soon as I said the word sanatorium, it was like, oh, here we go. Like, more tormented, right. haunted, abused wasn't. souls. So it's complete, I think, I have to say haunted for it because I really am connected to this idea that the land was so particularly selected and had so many, like, had so many roles through its like occupied time of yeah. people being in the dwelling that it like made sure like not well not everybody was probably safe or treated perfectly 100% well all the time especially when it was like a maximum security prison or a minimum security prison yeah. or orphanage like i just have to imagine that like the land kind of protected the house so you can read my verdict as replace the word haunted with magical <laughs> yeah. and i think there is something magical there honestly magical (laughs) and i don't know what more to say beyond that i just i just have this like innate feeling of some kind of magic there and it to me it ties in with people feeling at peace there people are happy there's some kind of protection it was able to serve as things that are normally dark in people's lives in a way that didn't have at least a lot of reported or known trauma, which I think is a huge, huge effort. Achievement. Yes. So, yeah, I just think there's something magical there. In the mountains Mysterious of Costa Rica. Mysterious and magical. And I wonder, like, I'd be interested to know, like, 
I, I think we can't get Encanto out of our heads. And so, but I'm Never. curious about like, cause so that story takes place in Colombia. And so I'd be curious to know like, what lore exists in those countries oh yeah like in, in speaking of like costa rica specifically like the mountain the, like the telemanca mountains like is there any lore associated with them the flowers that grow that we talked about the they're called like it translates to like little vanilla flowers yeah that they're yellow that grow there um i'd just be curious to know about like urban legends from those countries if, Me too. if there is lore that exists like oh that there's magic or power in the mountains or anything along those lines i'd be very curious so if we have anybody who's got costa rica roots that knows stories like this please share those with us because we think that would be really cool if it tied in to something that we've like really held on to here um that stood out for for us so thank you so much for listening we'll be back with more honestly haunted Thank you, as always, for listening to Honestly Haunted. Please follow us on social media at Honestly Haunted and consider becoming a Patreon supporter to help us continue to grow. If you haven't already, leave us a five-star review. We'll be back with more Honestly Haunted. What about <laughs>